With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. You're tuned into Utah's best midday sports show, The Bill Riley Show, presented by Les Schwab Tires, right here on your home of the Utes, ESPN 700. Final hour on the Bill Riley Show on a Friday, live from Proper Brewing in the heart of downtown Salt Lake City. Good to have you in today. The Jazz are in the islands. We had Bowler Jack on the other day, Gordy on the other day to talk a little bit about it. They've got the exhibition with the Clippers, and they head to Seattle, play another one before they come back home again. And preseason's off and rolling there and around the NBA. I thought we'd talk a little hoop on this Friday, bye weekend in football. Not a lot going on here, but I will say our next guest is a is a noted NBA insider. You can read his stuff on his Substack and a Bleacher Report. If you need good, sound legal advice somewhere in the state of Wyoming, he can help you out with that too. Also, I think a noted fan of the Pokes, who are off to a four and one start and one and zero in pack in uh, Mount West play. Andy Bailey joining us from somewhere in Wyoming today. Andy, how are you? I am good. I'm doing great after that comprehensive intro. I think that's the best one I ever got. I, you know, I try to up my game. I try to get as much info on our guests as we I, – I like to let people know you're more than just a guy that writes about basketball. You know what I mean? Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. I'm always always happy to join your show. And, by the way, the only loss for the Pokes, no, no shame in losing at Texas 31-10, though I think we'll learn a little bit more about them this, this week uh, with, with the Bulldogs coming to Laramie, right? For sure. And I – 31-10 makes it uh, – that game was really competitive for three quarters. I think it was 10-10 to 10 after the third, and I, I was legitimately stunned because I thought they were just going to get blasted in that game. Um, so I, I thought they acquitted themselves very well in that one. And, yeah, we'll, we'll probably learn a lot more tomorrow, but generally speaking, they've, they've been really fun to watch this year. I think Craig Bowles actually done a really good job there. He's probably had – the yeah. most success of anybody maybe since the what the early Joe Glenn days. I don't think you have to go as, back, as far back as Joe Tiller, but Joe Glenn had some good success before he gave the middle finger to Kyle Whittingham that one day at Rice-Eccles. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I, I think this is the, the longest stretch of sustained success that Wyoming has had. And, and it's not like they're competing to make the playoff or anything every year, but just having consistent winning teams is a nice change of pace for Wyoming. And it's also nice because in basketball and football, generally speaking, if we get a coach who has two or three good seasons, it's on to bigger and, and I guess greener pastures. But when they, 
hired Bull, I kind of had a thought, well, he's he's already done a lot in his career. Maybe this is his last stop. And I think that's kind of proven true. It's been nice to have somebody stick around for a while. So we, we shift from uh, Cowboy football to the NBA. Will Milwaukee be the final stop for Dame Lillard in his career? And what did you make of that deal when it came down a week or so ago and then the subsequent moves off that deal? Yeah, um, I, I think it's probably safe to say that he'll – If it's hard to say anybody will stay in one spot in the NBA these days, but he is pretty late in his career, and I think this is his best opportunity to win a championship. And his contract runs through, I think, 27, so he's he's probably going to be there um, at least close to the end of his career. And I was pretty surprised uh, when the trade went down. In fact, I had somebody ask me, I think the day before – Hey, so um, you know, I know you write for Bleacher Report. Where's Dame Lillard going to go? And I said, I I think it's just going to be Miami. Um, I know that there's been posturing all summer and hasn't happened yet, but eventually that's going to happen just because the players typically get what they want. And obviously that's not <laughs> what happened. And I was I was pretty surprised when that news first broke. It didn't take me long to think, okay, this makes a ton of sense for Milwaukee. I think the loss of Holiday is a bigger deal than people are giving that credit for, but Milwaukee was kind of sneakily not that great offensively. They were middle of the pack last year. They've been really bad on offense the last two postseasons, and Lillard is is a top three to five offensive player in the NBA right now, and he could be nearing the end of his peak, um, but I think you can justify it if you're Milwaukee because Giannis is in his prime. This is kind of what you have to do when you have a, a super-duper star in the NBA. You have to go all in year after year after year. Um, so I understood it from their perspective, even if there is a little bit of a risk. Um, it, it makes sense to me. This, this absolutely raises their level offensively. After all the talk and conjecture about Portland, do you feel like with the two deals that got done, they got enough? Yeah. I do, and I and they're not done, which is interesting. Just, that's the cool part to me for Portland, if, or if you're a Portland fan. Um, I have kind of been saying all summer, I don't know how many teams can justify an all-in move for Damian Lillard, and I thought Miami could, and that's that's another reason I thought they might eventually pull it off. Is They were one of the few teams that I think could justify training for this massive contract uh that is attached to a 33-year-old who could be, like I said, nearing the end of his of his peak. There's a chance that last year or two of that contract doesn't look great because Lillard has already kind of struggled on defense throughout his career, and as you lose a little bit of athleticism, that could become even more pronounced. Um, so that's a long-winded way of saying I, I wasn't sure they were going to get a massive offer for him. Um I kind of understood why Miami was being stingy with their potential offer. And, and the way that they've pieced together, uh, really, a, I, I think a home run package for Portland is, is fascinating to me. I think they probably knew all along um, whatever we get from the team that takes Lillard, we'll turn around and, and try to spin that into something else. And like I said, they're still spinning. Cause I, I think they could probably get decent value for Malcolm Brogdon now. Um, it sounds like they kind of they might want to see what it looks like with Robert Williams and DeAndre Ayton, but I think they could get something for Williams too. So the the Damian Lillard trade package could still expand over the coming weeks and months, which is I, I think they've just knocked it out of the park.
Yeah, the Suns were the third team, and it was a weird deal. It, it just kind of felt like the Suns were in it because they just didn't want Aiton around. He didn't fit with the way they wanted to play, didn't really fit with the guys on the roster. They had Nurkic, big body guy, could bang a little bit and some pieces off the bench. But was that just about unloading the big deal on, on Aiton? I think that was probably the biggest reason. Uh, obviously, there's been some friction between Aiton and the organization for a couple of years now. Um I, I think they could have tried to work it out with a new coach because I think a lot of that friction was between Aiton and Monty Williams, who's not there anymore. Um, but I, I do think that's probably the driving force behind their involvement. But I also thought, and a lot of people were kind of, uh, if not out, at least kind of confused by Phoenix's involvement in the trade. I thought it was pretty smart, honestly. And, and from the moment they acquired Bradley Beal, I thought they're going to have to trade DeAndre Ayton for multiple players. They need depth um, in some way. And they got a decent amount of it just through signing minimum contracts. But there's a reason all those guys were on minimums. And I think some of them will outperform those minimum contracts. But I just couldn't shake the feeling throughout the summer that they've got to turn DeAndre Ayton into more than one player. And that's what they did with this deal. And I don't think, in terms of like pure talent, I I think it's pretty safe to say most people would take DeAndre Ayton over Yusuf Nurkic. But Nurkic is a better passer, and I think he's a more willing passer, and I think that's pretty important if you've got Durant and and uh, Beal and Booker in your lineup. So I think he might fit better. And then Grayson Allen has been a starter for years on on pretty high-level playoff teams, too, here in the last couple of years with uh, Milwaukee. So he'll help. And even Nasir Little could be, you know, an interesting rotation player for them. So I actually, I think uh, Bleacher Report had me grade the deal in the immediate aftermath. I think I gave everybody either like a B, I think the lowest grade I might have given out was a B-plus or something like that. I, I thought it really made sense from everybody's perspective. Andy Bailey's with us. We're talking some NBA basketball today. Just real quick on that, we'll talk some jazz here in just a second. But um, if you had to pick between Milwaukee and Boston right now, they seem clearly the two best teams. And Holiday's now a member of the Celtics, which was a, a good upgrade for them, especially losing Marcus Smart. Um, where where do you grade? Where do you come out if they're if they're meeting in the Eastern Conference Finals in the seven game series? Who do you like? Um. I think this is like the ultimate question in the NBA right now. It's so hard because I, I think you could make a pretty strong argument for either one of those teams right now. I think I'm just barely uh, leaning towards Boston. Um, I think their top six is just stacked right now. And I don't think that Drew holiday is not as good an individual player uh, as Damian Lillard, but I think he fits in Boston really, really well. And people may remember the last – it may not be the last time, but but at some point, uh, Holiday and Lillard met in the playoffs. I think it was like 2019 or something. And Holiday just completely shut Lillard down. And I don't know if we'd have a repeat of that if they met again, but I think that would be an interesting matchup to watch. I think if there's a guy who's kind of built to defend Damian Lillard, it's probably Drew Holiday. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I just love the way that top five or six is built – in Boston. Um, I thought they lost a little bit of their versatility when they, when they had Porzingis uh, essentially replace Marcus smart. I know that wasn't exactly what happened, but that's essentially what happened. Um, And then they got a better version of Marcus smart (laughs) later in the off season while still keeping Porzingis. Um, So they've, they've got a a 
ton of talent. I think they can play a bunch of different ways. They can play with dual bigs. Um, they can play with a ton of playmaking. They've got, I think, the best defensive backcourt in the game with Holiday and Derek White. Obviously, Tatum and Brown is the that's the the star duo that most people talk about with Boston. But they're they're stacked. Um, those two teams at the top of the East, I think, are head and shoulders above everybody else. Andy Bailey is our guest, uh, uh, NBA insider from Bleacher Report, uh, joining us here on the Bill Riley Show today. Where do the Jazz fit in the West right now? Obviously, everything's on paper right now. Their early season last year, before the roster kind of got you know got got moved around a bit, was was very good. They surprised a lot of people, and they frankly weren't bad for the entire season. But now it's a season later. Made some additions, had a bunch of draft picks. Where, where do they sit right now, preseason in the West for Andy Bailey? This is going to be kind of a boring answer, but I I kind of feel like they're in the same realm that they were last season um and it's in the west i think it's i feel like we we could probably say this about the west in each of the last like 20 years (laughs) maybe even more um the depth of talent in that conference has just been ridiculous for so long and uh there's going to be several teams that i i think you could probably make an argument that like 12 or 13 teams think they're going to be competitive this year, there aren't a lot of outright tankers, uh, and so obviously that's going to be difficult for Utah to, to claw its way through all those teams. Um, every team has like a big two. I mean, even Utah has. I I thought Laurie Markkinen was clearly like a top fifteen to twenty player uh, last season, and typically if you have a guy like that and a decent supporting cast, you have a pretty good shot to make the playoffs. Um, but I think Utah could be competitive, win 40 to 45 games, and, and not even make the play-in. That's how good the West is um, this season. So I think they they could be noticeably better as a team and still not really move up in the standings, if that makes sense. It, the, the talent is just so densely packed in that conference. What's your biggest question about the Jazz heading in? Uh, most people locally think it's, Who's basically going to run the team? Who's the who's the ball in hand guy? I mean, last week at this time, it was a week ago today that Will Hardy said, "Well, I've got about five options there, and we'll see what happens yeah. in the preseason and early season." Well, in football, when you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. I think in basketball, if you've got five point guard options, you don't have one either. So, <laughs> you know that you know the roster pretty well as this thing plays itself out. Who ultimately is the ball in hand guy, or maybe he's not on the roster right now. I think that is the biggest question. Uh, it's the most obvious one for sure with the jazz. And I think you're right that if you have five point guards, you don't have one. I, I think that's a, a fair way to assess the situation, but I do like a lot of those guys <laughs> for different reasons. Uh, I think Jordan Clarkson showed a lot as a playmaker that he hadn't really at any point in his career um, last season. And I, I think he'll probably get some starts at point. I would be surprised if he's the early um, starter there because, like I said, I just I, I feel like he showed a little bit more as a creator than he has in the past. I'm also not ready to give up on Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, I've kind of noticed a lot of jazz. I mean, I'm not as keyed in as you guys are over there, but I noticed a lot of jazz fans who I think had kind of soured on him at various points last season. And I understand that his shot is is very inconsistent, but uh, his wingspan his athleticism, um, kind of the the deep tool belt that he's got, I, I think is interesting. 
So I'm not ready to give up on him yet. I got a chance to see Keontae George at some summer league games, and I thought, well, maybe he's going to, you know, step up and take over the role at some point this season. So they've got I think, a bunch I think, of options. I think that's the guy, Andy. I think that's the guy they would love to, to be that. I mean, if you had to, you know, say ultimately who on the – I think they'd like it to be Keontae George. I, and that would be phenomenal. If you, if you could get that out of a rookie um, – Obviously, that would be great. And he looked very, very comfortable in the summer league action that I saw in Vegas. Um, could there be a little bit more of a, of a learning curve when he's against full-time NBA talent? Probably. And so that's why I kind of lean towards, I, I think they'll go with somebody with a little more experience. If I had to guess, and again, you guys are more more tuned in than I am, but I would think it would be Clarkson and Abaji in the, in the backcourt to start the season. But Clarkson is obviously... You know, he's gained a lot of notoriety, and he's been very comfortable as a sixth man throughout his career. So if, if Keontae George was able to elevate and assume that role at some point, that that might make the whole rotation just kind of make more sense to push Clarkson back to a six-man role. Um, and and really, if, if that happens, then you're probably looking at a different sort of result for the Jazz. Maybe they aren't in that 10 to 12 range if that happens. Maybe, maybe that puts them in the 6 to 10 range or something like that. I think Sexton is going to start there, though I don't think that's ultimately his role. I, I think they're going to give. <laughs> I think he's going to be the guy that ultimately starts there. I think it'll be Sexton and Clarkson to begin things. I think ultimately by mid-season, later in the season, I think they'd love it to be George and 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 Clarkson with maybe Sexton playing the old Clarkson role and Obaji being the three and D guy off the bench. Yeah, I could see that happening. Um... I, maybe I'm just higher on Abaji than others, and I, I I think they could use some of his length and defensive versatility out there. I think he's got certainly higher upside defensively than Jordan Clarkson does. But I, the way that you laid it out could certainly – I could see that happening too for sure. I think early on at least. I, I, I'm with you. I'm, well, I'm a Kansas grad, so I, I'm a big Obaji fan, and I thought he really got better as the year went along. The problem is I think you're going to see a lot of – Larry Markin at three and John Collins at four and Walker Kessler sure. at five. And I, I just I don't know ball in hand, creative guy. If Clarkson's that guy, I don't think Obaji's that guy. So I think somebody else is gonna have to play that and then Clarkson Obaji are kind of the uh, although I think Obaji if 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 Markin moves to the four comes out of the game, I think you could play Obaji at the three and kind of go with make him your 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 wing defender shooter guy. Yeah, and I that makes me think, I mean, I think it was the first question you asked me about the jazz is what is the biggest question? Um, and one of the ones that came to mind is, <clears throat> is Laurie Markin marketing truly a three? And I think he kind of proved over the last couple of years that he can be, but it's, it's going to be hard for me to shake the feeling that maybe his, his best case is like a playmaking four. Um, and certainly the, the rotation suddenly looks a lot different if that's what he becomes. Um, so there are definitely some questions with the Jazz that need to be answered. And the other thing I was just thinking, too, is as we talk about rotations, I don't, you know, I certainly wouldn't bet on a Jordan Clarkson trade just because I think he's he has ingratiated himself so well with the, the area and the organization, and it seems like the organization loves him. But with Danny Ainge running the team and, and sort of the phase of the rebuild that they're in, you I think in the back of your head you always have to think about which veterans might play their way into a trade. I mean, if, if a certain guy plays well enough to garner a couple first-round picks, it would be, be tough for Ainge to pass that up. 
Yeah, because they don't have enough first-round picks right now, right? Yeah, you can never have too many. <laughs> Ask Oklahoma City. Hey, thanks for doing this today. I really appreciate it. It's always good to catch up. We'll catch up as we get into the season. Andy, have fun this weekend. No worries. Thanks for having me. There you go, Andy Bailey from Bleacher Report with us. He, he's also got a sub stack where he writes, too, so you can check him out. And I always appreciate him. He's based in the West, covers, does does a lot of writing on. He's probably the biggest Yankees <clears throat> fan around there is, but he'll talk about the Nuggets and the Jazz and a bunch of stuff, so I always like to have him on as a guest. Before we go to break, let's check in over at uh, Remedical with our buddy Dr. Justin Johnson. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.